Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio Road to Desert Rain series. Uh, we are back after taking a couple month hiatus with Abby Carl Clausen. She sits down and we talk about her uh, upbringing in West Texas and um, how she ended up at UTEP and eventually landed here as part of the community at Desert Rain. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to David and Danny West. That's the music you hear in the background. Uh, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. Uh, if you want to hear other episodes of Road to Desert Rain or Dispatches from the Verge, drcrpod.com is the place to go as well as um, any other podcatcher. If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio, Road to Desert Rain. We're back. Took a few months off, and I'm here with Abby Clausen. Yeah. How are you? Great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. Um, happy Saturday to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming in. Um, so we're doing the Road to Desert Rain for maybe new listeners. Uh, this is something we we came up with last year to just kind of get to know the different people in the community. And we've taken a few months off. I think we've had one in 2022. And so this will be our second one. And and um, so usually where we start, Ibi, is is uh, sort of the the religious or spiritual or lack thereof um, in in your up your upbringing in your family and as a kid and and uh, young adult. And and so what did that look like in your life? That's an interesting sort of question because I feel like that was one of the kind of defining questions of my childhood. So within the family, it was sort of like a big rift where, um, so my father's family was uh, Catholic originally. um, And then my grandfather became independent Baptist in the late seventies. And so, um, and a lot of the other uh, family members followed suit And so followed suit as far as the Baptists. Yeah, exactly. And so there were members of the family um, that were very conservative Baptist members of the family that were Catholic. Um, And then in my immediate family, um, we didn't attend church. Um, And so, yeah, that was kind of this interesting question where it was like kind of this volatile, you know, kind of family situation. <laughs> Thanksgivings were a little tense. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was interesting growing up where I grew up in rural West Texas, where that is sort of the defining question within the community. Mm, right. You know, are you Baptist? Are you Church of Christ? Um, are you Catholic? Which in that, you know, particular context has a very like ethnic and racialized kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. um identity. Um, and then also where I grew up, um, there's a large community of, uh, Mennonite immigrants from Mexico. Um, and so this kind of religious, 
all these religious communities are really sort of like what defines your place within the community. And so us not going to church, that was like a big thing. And so especially like in middle school, you know, it's that big question of like, you know, you don't go to a particular church, you know, like, what's wrong, dude? Do you like worship Satan? (laughs) Like these like weird, like these weird questions, right? Uh, and well, so kids have such great, especially in middle school, kids have such great imaginations <laughs> that it, this black and white, like, oh, you must worship Satan if you don't go to church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's very sort of like within the community and how you participate in the community is as a member, you know, of a religious okay. congregation. Um, and so that's where in middle school, I... Uh, made uh, a lot of friends who were from um, this Mennonite community. I was going to school with them, singing in the choir with them. Um, Like choral singing is like a big thing, like in Mennonite churches. And so met a lot of them in um, through, uh, you know, choir. And I started attending um, this thing called Student Venture, which is basically like um, Campus Crusade, which is like rebranded themselves as Crew, which yep, great, yep, yep, like yep, take right, the Crusade right. part out, like. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, like seriously, like folks that are still calling themselves the Crusaders, I'm like, what are you doing? Um, but well, that's they, that's a whole other might, thing. Well, they might, yeah, they might not have a full understanding of uh, world history and the uh, the impact. <laughs> the exactly. The negative impact. <laughs> exactly. But so anyway, um, started attending like this, like youth Bible study with a lot of these friends. And so was this through the Mennonite church or something separate? No. So that was kind of the interesting dynamic is a lot of the Mennonites that I met at school, um, their families had either left um, very um, conservative communities. And here we're talking, um, you know, like plain dress, like very mm-hmm. conservative um, communities. Um, and some of them were going to um, less conservative and and more what we would think of as kind of like an evangelical, okay. like Mennonite church. Or, um, you know, their families were going to different types of churches, but they were still like ethnically Mennonite. And so there were folks that were, you know, going to Baptist churches or like Pentecostal churches, mm-hmm. um, but kind of in this group of friends, it was, uh, you know, attending like this Bible study. Mm-hmm. And it's it so you said West Texas, so I'm guessing a rural town in West Texas. So what was the like population size like? Um, is so it really small or it, the town itself was right around six thousand, and okay. then the county is about twenty thousand. Okay. Um, so I mean, it was interesting because. Um, you know, it's very small, but then there's also that dynamic of like, oh, are you like town country? Are you like country country? <laughs> um, and so Re- like real country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, but yeah, anyway, you know, really, really small community, um, oil field, mm-hmm. agriculture, working class community. Um, so yeah, I was going to this Bible study, and that's where I really got kind of like um you know, had kind of that initial sort of like conversion um, experience. And so kind of, you know, later on, you know, that idea of what that means in my experience, you know, that kind of changes. But then, I, you know, I had a very traditional, you know, evangelical kind of like, you know, conversion-like yeah. experience. Um, yeah. What, how old were you when that happened? 
Uh, like 12 or 13 okay. at the time. Um, and so from then on, just like super involved in, um, so you were, you were just going to church on your own. Yeah. So I was going to, this, I mean, in comparison, in sense of your immediate family. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was going to this Bible study. Um, and then like through a friend that was there, I met some other friends who, and this is where this takes a really interesting turn, is I got involved um, with a very fundamentalist um, mm. congregation. And... Based, I mean, out of, based out of Waco, Texas? Uh, I'm just trying to Waco, Texas. <laughs> no, but this uh, it is really interesting because... So I have so many thoughts about like what draws people into fundamentalism or like how it like functions and like why certain people at certain times, like, you know, end up, you know, in, in fundamentalism and like, I'm not going to name like particular denominations, like by name, uh, like in our conversation here, you can, you can find them on the internet. uh, Yeah. 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 No. (laughs) And so we'll just say that, um, this denomination has a very, long and serious history with um uh abuse and just all sorts of mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff but and, um and before we go on how old were you when you got involved with this this is around the same time okay. this was yeah and so um this denomination uh was very hardcore, very fundamentalist. We're talking like King James only, like very, um, and I think at that time of my life, like there was a lot of, um, I feel like fundamentalism is very attractive to vulnerable people because it, um, provides a lot of, uh, structure and a sense of belonging. And when I think about fundamentalism, you know, I feel like a lot of times it's for like people like on the edge, um, and it, 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 a lot of times it seems like it's very black and white mm-hmm. and for like what you're talking about, someone that's vulnerable, someone that's looking for a place to fit in mm-hmm. that black and white outlook is, is I think for people in general, it's attractive, but especially for someone that's kind of feeling, uh, this, this sense of belonging or we, in fact, the conversation we're, that's coming out this coming Tuesday is about belonging. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that yeah. this fundamentalist sort of idea is coming up in this conversation. Absolutely. And so, um, and and I think that there's something about, uh, yeah, like just that like sense of belonging and sort of like the more strict and the more sort of isolationist like the community, you know, that, that, that stronger, that, that, that sense of belonging. Um, but then also... Yeah, like just how much more intense that is, like when that sort of like falls apart. Mm. Um, was there a sense of, within the the group? Was there a sense of this like us against the world? Absolutely. Yeah, which is yeah. attractive for people too, and on some, you know, on certain aspects of life. Absolutely, and so even even within those communities, you know, you talk about. Um, worldly people like there's like this whole like language surrounding um yeah sort of like 
in versus out and who's belonging and who's not belonging and all of those sorts of things. Um, and so I was involved with them for several years. I would probably say like, you know, almost till the end of high school. Okay. Um, but it was interesting because like my family was not church going. It was sort of like always kind of had one foot in and one foot out, mm. um, you know, which I feel like in the long term was like helpful. Did they try to, did the, the church side, were they, uh, what would be like the word sort of anti- antagonistic towards your parents because they weren't in the church? Because I've heard of that. I, it's interesting because I feel like they were more about like supporting me versus like being like antagonistic to like my family. That makes sense. And so, yeah, but I mean, but there was definite, there was, you know, that definite, um, struggle because yeah. like even for like a period of time it's like oh you know my dad's listening to like classic rock music and i'm like <laughs> oh no like you know all of these things and dad turned down that leonard skinner <laughs> yeah no exactly um but I, it, it's interesting because from that community like just in general mm-hmm. like the community that i grew up in but then also um like that like specific community their ideas and teachings on gender are just so horrible Um, and internalizing like Mm. all of these things. And like, these weren't things that I was like necessarily like raised with, within my family. Um, But kind of like in the larger community, like there was this baseline of like, I, I, you know, probably like a very standard, like conservative evangelical, like mm-hmm. this is what women like are and are supposed to do. Um, but within this community, it was just like magnified, magnified a zillion times. And so I feel like even though like I was in these communities for, you know, kind of over the course of life, kind of in the big scheme of things, like a short amount of time just really at those critical years and critical times. And so like so much, I think of the twenties and even like onward, it was kind of like spent like unraveling kind of like um, these ideas that were like internalized, like within fundamentalism. Well, especially, I mean, you were right, you know, I think for everyone, it's just a human thing that 13 to 18 time range, you, you soak so much in around you that, you know, if it ends up being something that, that doesn't uh, serve you or seem seemingly serve the greater community, you you would have to go, um, you would have to intentionally be able to unravel that like you're talking. Yeah. And so I, so did you leave the community? So you said you kind of did that till the end of high school. Did mm-hmm. you go to university after that? Or what What was sort of your that was your That was the interesting thing. Because so I, looking back on that time, like there, this was something that I had to grapple with later on because there are like a lot of like good memories like from mm-hmm. like that time. But also kind of like having to like disentangle it from like all of the all of the negative things. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and, and I mean, that was, was taking like a long time. Within like those particular communities, like anybody going to college was like not really, like that wasn't really encouraged. Oh, interesting. Um, well, and especially like for women, it was like, what in the world, like, is that for, right? <laughs> why um, would you, why'd you need that education? <laughs> but, um, but the interesting thing was, and so, you know, my parents um, were first generation uh, college graduates. And my mom went back to college when I was in middle school, um, became a teacher. Interesting. And so for them, like, in, you know, that value of education, like, was always there. Um, because we can go back and get to this whole thing, like, with my um, with my parents' family. That's kind of, like, its own thing. You know, they're from the Midwest. You know, they moved to West Texas, you know, so my dad could be working in the oil field. You know, they were always kind of out of place in the mm -hmm. community and then kind of, like, by default, like, me as well. And right. so... When it came time, you know, like I graduated from high school um, and like I had been thinking about like, oh, these different like Bible colleges or like whatever. And like that was a good thing. Like that didn't happen. Like I think about like. Well, Bible college is pretty uh, predominant, not predominant, but uh, there's a lot in Texas, right? Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting because like there are. Okay, you're sort of like regular college and universities that are Christian. Mm -hmm, right. um, but then these are sort of like the non-accredited mm -hmm. kind of hardcore. Like, and so like there's that whole spectrum. But like it, it was interesting to me because there was this kind of like pull of like, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? Um, and I got um, a decent sized scholarship actually to come out to UTEP. Interesting. And um, so I I had come out to the border. So this is like pre-9-11 days. This is like um, with this friend of mine and her family, um, they would go to Mexico for medical treatment. And they're like, hey, like, do you want to like come to Juarez like with us? Right. Yeah, yeah. And whatever. And so like I would, I went like several times, you know, there is no passport. There's no whatever. Like yeah, these just, aren't my parents. I'm like crossing the border across. with them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it was really great. And there was something about the border that I was like, wow, like there's something really special here. And I, growing up, I'd always been interested in travel in other languages and other cultures. Like um, I have kind of these funny stories where it's like, um, that just wasn't a thing. Or like, if it was, like the only time that people like traveled internationally was like missionaries. And so I think for me, like there was also that draw there of like, um, oh, like being, you know, a missionary because they get to go to these other countries, learn other languages and stuff. Now I have all sorts of thoughts about missionaries and colonialism and right, all of yeah, these like yeah, super yeah. complicated things. But for me at the time, you like that big draw was like, you know, people, you know, that's how you can, you know, travel to other places, meet other people from different cultures and stuff. And but so almost, it's almost like that, that wanderlust was just part of your being. Yeah, absolutely. And the only outlet you could see around you was these missionaries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. For sure. And so, um, traveling across the border, you know, with my, my 
friends, family, like it really just kind of stuck. And um, so then I applied to UTEP, like got a scholarship. And then when I was 17, like I, um, you know, came out yeah. and started college. I didn't know anybody. Like I, like I had a really rough, like first semester because I mean, it's a brand new city. And I remember like and trying way, to like drive in the city. Than what you yeah, in. absolutely. I, w- I remember thinking about it. Like at that time, I think El Paso was like a hundred times bigger than like my hometown. Wow. And at, <laughs> at that time, my hometown had like two stoplights. Like they've added more since then. Yeah. They've like grown. There's been like a big oil field boom. They have a Walmart there now. <laughs> they had a Walmart back then. That okay. was like, that was our defining thing of like, we're a bigger town than the other towns is like, we've got the Walmart. Walmart picked us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but so even just like things like driving in the city. And so like when I, I think it was in the first month that I was in school, like I kind of in a wreck, like mostly cause I just, didn't know how to like drive in the city, like just like this country person. Yeah, like, of course. Driving around like ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so that was just a really rough transition. And I would even say like now, sort of those formative years of being a rural person and then coming to the city, like that's always like there. Like if I talk to people that I grew up with, like, even with folks that there's, like, not a ton in common anymore, like, that experience of, like, leaving town mm. and, like, going out places, like, yeah. you know, that's still really, like, impactful and formative. And so I, oh, where was I going with that? And so, like, essentially, like, that was just a really, like, rough transition. Um, and did you end up? sticking it out and graduating from UTEP and everything? Yeah, and so what happened is I got really involved with a campus ministry while I was there. So it was it was interesting because, like, I was still, like, very, like, theologically conservative and then otherwise, like, very, like, conservative. Like, they wanted to have, like, some, like, harvest dance. And I was like, well, can we have activities for people that don't want to do dancing right yeah exactly and so like when I tell people that like they just like they see me now like in the current form and it's just like what like but but so I and so this campus ministry that I got involved with wait um, so did you have high school dances so that that was the interesting thing was that so like we had like prom and stuff um and at the youth center like they would have dances but it it's like a super interesting dynamic because for a lot of the churches in the community it's like no dancing at all and I had friends that were like their parents are like no you can't go to prom there's going to be dancing right right. um and so um and then of course like there's the other kind of like racial and ethnic dynamics around it in terms of like you know, those Catholics like to party and dance. (laughs) And then it's just like, oh man, that's kind of a dog whistle that's like happening. Um, That's a whole other thing. But (laughs) all that to say is that um, I got really involved with this um, campus ministry, got involved with their leadership, um, you know, would go to all their different um, retreats and um, kind of like, summer camps, but like for college students, like kind of thing. 
Um, and it, it was interesting because in that process, like I feel like I ended up kind of like in sort of a mainstream evangelicalism, like all of these things that were like not okay in fundamentalism. It's like, oh, well, look, like here in the Bible, you know, there's this and that and all these other things. And like even stuff that was like very controversial to me, like at the time, you know, in terms of like women in leadership, like, mm. you know, women being ordained, like that was shocking to me to like see like at first, um, you know, and then at the time they're like, oh, but look here, it's in the Bible and like all this stuff. And like, and this is all this, not conversion, but these things you're bumping up against yeah, during absolutely. your, during your college time frame. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so like at that time, like it was very, helpful to me to be like encountering the Bible sort of like in this new way. Um, and then when I was, um, the summer before my senior year in college, I went on, um, a summer trip, um, to Mexico city that, um, it's really interesting to me because like looking back now, I can see like, oh, they're working off of a different model you know, they're bringing in elements of, you know, community development work instead of like your traditional like missions trip. Right, right. Like the posture of this kind of trip was like, um, we're here to learn. The people in the community um, are experts. Um, this is all about you um, going and learning um, about uh urban poverty, like in a globalized context. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really the first time that I was um, confronted with a lot of like these kind of like theological ideas um, and really people coming from the perspective of It's funny, like, using this language now because I would, like, never use, like, yeah, this yeah, language right, now. Right, right, but right. it's, like, like this idea of um, the idea of um, the kingdom of God is, you know, focusing on the whole person and, like, looking at, um, you know, things like um, poverty and injustice, um, from a spiritual lens and this idea is like, oh, that God cares about these ideas and God cares about um, the poor, not just in like, okay, like we're going to like go save souls, but right, like right, this right. very like holistic kind of understanding of things. Um, and that was a really big shift for me and was introduced to like, you know, a lot of new ideas. And it's interesting because I feel like for that community of people, like that was really like pushing the envelope. Like later on, like within this campus ministry, there was a lot of pushback for like these, there was like a set of um, summer trips that were, you know, within this sort of like ideological framework right, that right, were, right, right. you know, sort of like in the, you know, traditional missionary framework. And... Uh, you know, so the pushback came from the campus ministry. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, this campus ministry is like really big. Um, I actually went on to like work for them for two years afterwards. Um, and 
that is an interesting thing that I'll get to here in a second. But um, I was within that context. I mean, they're bringing in stuff from liberation theology. You know, they're, yeah, I'd never heard of Oscar Romero before. And so, like, there's right. this whole strain of, like, you know, Latin American um, liberation theology that they're, like, you know, introducing to us at this, like, you know, very evangelical, you know, campus ministry. Um, and it was really, like, transformative. I was, like, because I always had been interested in, like, social justice and those types of issues. Um, like, even when I was, like, growing up, you know, like, in my family and sort of the the larger family and the larger family history, you know, of poverty, of mental illness, of like all of these issues that are compounding right. and seeing, you know, how that impacts, you know, a family, a community, society. Um, and then the p- community that I grew up in, um, especially when I was growing up there, you know, people like to think about the oil boom town, but um, we were growing up in the oil bust town. Um, and so it was a very different kind of like dynamic and stuff. And um, Well, it's so interesting too, having had both sides of it, right? Like the super conservative fundamentalist side, and then you're, you're getting exposed to the, the theology or the uh, liberation mm-hmm. theology side of it and almost getting this like 360 degree view of, of uh, Christianity. Yeah, I absolutely. Think a lot of people, it's one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. And so to, to sort of in your early, uh, you know, your early lifetime, sort of getting this 360 degree uh, perspective is had to be super informative. And it was, and it was really interesting because I feel like with the communities that I've been a part of, where I've been, what I've done, I like, it's a super big tent and it's like Mm. super complicated. Right. Um, because you feel like these ties to like all these different, um, communities that don't understand one another. And in some cases, like actively like harm, like the other, um, and so they go after the other one in a very harmful way for sure. Yeah. And then it gets super complicated. But so like, I, you know, I'm coming off of this trip, I'm coming back, you know, I'm working in campus ministry and I was, you know, the U S Mexico border is like a perfect place, like to be, you know, engaging, like, in these, like, issues of social justice. And so, like, as a campus staff worker, I'm, like, super excited. And, but, and what time frame? After, so when you started working for the campus ministry, what time frame year-wise was that? So that was around, um, I graduated from UTEP um, in 2007. So it's right when Juarez is starting to get really Yeah, and that was the interesting thing is, um, so I came back from this trip to Mexico City. I was like, where can I get plugged in? And I got plugged in um, with a nonprofit organization that like, funny enough, I like work there now. It's sort of like things. Oh, that's amazing. um, That's funny. Things kind of come big, (laughs) you know, full circle. For sure. And I, um, you know, got connected with, um, at that period of time, they were doing exclusively youth programming. Um, but from this um, very holistic 
um, community development perspective, um, made really great friends like um, within that organization. At the time, I was just a volunteer. Right. Um, and then at the same time, I was working for the campus ministry and like, all right, like, let's get into it. Let's do yeah. this. Um, and people are like, well, like, I, you know, like, I think we need to focus like more like on evangelism. And like, I have always, like I had never admitted it to myself, but I'd always, evangelism had always made me feel like super uncomfortable. Well, it's, like, a, sales, it's a sales pitch. Well, and the, like the boundary, like, um, or the uh, the lack of boundaries that you have, like, you know, if it's a person that you hardly know and you're like trying to, without knowing their experiences, without knowing their life, without like, you know, trying to be, invested in them as a person mm -hmm. and even other sort of like evangelistic models where it's like, Oh no, we're more relational. Like it still felt yeah. like I was like, can't we just like build the relationship and then you can be like who you are like, and you know, you don't have to be a Christian or be this type of Christian or whatever. Yeah. But of course, like back then I like, like I wouldn't admit that to myself and I couldn't like articulate that like, within that community, but like, you know, like, oh, we should like be focused on more on evangelism or like these other things. And like, was, was a pushback from the students involved with the campus ministry? From the leadership. Or the leadership. Yeah. Okay. From the leadership. So your bosses. Um, yeah. And so, and, and that's the thing is like at that time, like I was very supported. Like I, for the most part, like had like a good relationship, you know, with the people that I'm working with. But it was, it was that pull again, where they were like, you know, I feel like you, you know, your heart is, you want to focus like on social justice. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and like, so like, I, exactly <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so then I, I ended up leaving the student ministry after a couple of years. Um, but during that time, like I, I had a lot of really great like theological like training that I think this happens to a lot of people. I feel like is you, you know, become biblically literate, you get a lot of like theological training. And then that is sort of like the tools that you use to leave. Um, mm, right, right, um, right, right. I, I always joke about like, Oh man, like those students, like the ones that are going to seminary or the ones that are like super into like reading their Bible and stuff. Like, those are the ones that are going to like, you know, um, right. <laughs> going to like deconstruct like later. Because um, like folks that are just like, ah, oh, like I'm kind of into it, but not, you know. It, it, yeah, it gets complicated because there's definitely that the value of this is the community and culture that I'm from. And so like, I'm cool with this, like whatever, I don't have to interrogate it. Whereas like- And some people are just like that anyway. Yeah, like, It's just in their absolutely. nature to like, like, all right, yeah, that's- Absolutely. And then like, it's frustrating for them because it's like, well, why do you always have to be like stirring stuff up? Like there's not a reason right, right, like right. to stir this stuff up. And like, well, no, like I, you know, need to be- <sighs> Well, if you've read the gospels, then in your mind, it's like, well- in the Gospels, Jesus is stirring stuff up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why exactly. I've been called to stir stuff so, up. So, <laughs> like, that was always kind of an interesting thing. But so then, um, 
When I was working in campus ministry, you know, I'd go around um, and I had to fundraise. And so I would go to different Always churches. Part of, your, part of your compensation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was, um, it was a hundred percent like support raised okay. was like my salary. And so the thing that I did is I, I worked in campus ministry part time, <laughs> which really meant that like I had another job and then I like worked in ministry like full time. Yeah. Um, but I, um, would go and I would give these presentations about, oh, here's what we are, this is what we're doing, this stuff. Uh, and one of those presentations was at my old church. So something that I didn't mention in the part before is like from like 13 to like 16, I was going to this very like fundamentalist church. It actually like closed down um, because it was like fin not financially like solvent. Mm. Um, and so then um, I started my senior year, like going to this Mennonite church, very, you know, um, conservative evangelical, but like less conservative than this other the one you church were, that I was going coming to. From. Yeah, exactly. And so um, this church was actually sponsoring me like as like a missionary, like on the, um, on the UTEP campus. Okay. Um, and so like, I, I would go back, you know, home and then, you know, um, give the presentations and then um, it's like, Oh, why don't you go talk to the young adult class or like, Oh, why don't you go talk to the mission board about whatever. Um, and there, this is where I met, um, my husband, Jonathan. And so he was, um, at the time he had just gotten back from hiking the Appalachian trail and, um, there was like this youth. It's funny. Cause like in that context, like youth is like anybody from like 12 to like, who's not married. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. so it's like a, like the a singles, wide swath yeah. of like folks, the true youth um, of 12 and 13 to the singles of, yeah, no, you yeah. got these like, you know, 30 year old folks that are like hanging out that are like more like helping like with the youth or whatever. But, um, a friend of mine was going and she's like, Oh, Hey, like you should come. And at this um, youth party, they had one of those, um, what do you call that? Uh, white elephants, like okay, gift yeah, exchange. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, and so I don't know who brought the book. Maybe he had brought the book. Anyway, um, there was like a copy of like Blue Like Jazz that we like kept like stealing oh, from each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And like, then he like let me have it. And so like that's, but then like the next time that I had come back, um, like I had like lent it to him. So anyway, like um, there was like some interest like starting there. Um, but I was living in El Paso. He was living in Seminole. Um, and, uh, you know, we had been kind of talking back and forth and that was like our deal. Like at first was like lending each other books and especially like books surrounding like emergent Christianity mm. and like, and so like, I don't know, like if either of us kind of like knew it at the time, but you know, we're like reading like Brian McLaren and, you know, stuff is like starting to unravel. 
And like, right, 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 right. And, and of course, at that time, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're warning about, you know, the slippery slope <laughs> of, and, and it's funny because it's true. Like right, you yeah, get right. on the slippery slope and you're gone. And like, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> right. Like, well, for them it is yeah, because exactly. you leave the church or you leave their church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, but so no, at the, t- at the time, you know, like, oh no, this is still within the bounds of like, whatever. This is still acceptable. Yeah, exactly. At the time. Yeah, yeah. But then the interesting thing is, is those boundaries, like, they change. And, you know, it's like your own personal kind of Overton window. Right, yeah. And, uh, but so anyway, um, I went back around Christmas time. um, And then that's when we kind of, like, formally got together. um, And then we were, like, doing long distance. Um, I was in El Paso. And he was in Seminole. This was at the very end of when I was working for the campus ministry. Okay. And yeah, then I I, I quit working for the campus ministry after I uh, was on staff for two trips, like the one that I went on as a student. Mm-hmm. And so that summer of 2009 um, and the summer of 2007, like I was like, staffing these trips and, you know, just getting more like plugged in and like, we were, you know, staying at like a Quaker hostel and like, I was just introduced to like so many ideas that were just like new and different, you know, like, Hey, like, have you ever thought about like the military industrial complex (laughs) or like, Hey, you know, like, um, and it's interesting because so where I grew up, you know, there's a community of Mennonites, um, but the majority of them, like, are not pacifists, like, in practice anymore. You know, that's that whole, like, historic, like, peace right, church, right. like, thing. Um, and then the folks that, like, were pacifists were coming from the more um, conservative um, communities. And really? so, interesting. Yeah. And so it's, it's this really kind of interesting dynamic that happens within the Mennonite church where um, – so a lot of things um, like pacifism – um, ideas about money, um, you know, like uh, credit and lending and interest. And like, um, I always think that um, conservative Mennonite communities are doing really interesting things um, surrounding land, surrounding money. Um, by like these things that you would like think within sort of like a political spectrum of things that would be sort of like more like left wing. Right. Um, it's that the... the these Mennonite communities that are more conservative, you know, that's what they're practicing in terms of pacifism, in terms of like these certain things. And so like, sort of like the more that you go on the progressive side of Christianity, like the more in line that you're ending up with these like more conservative Mennonites. Mm -hmm. And then sort of like the more to the like conservative side that you're going politically then you're aligning more with your evangelical Mennonites. Mm -hmm. And so, like, um, I always just think this is super funny that, like, um, somebody who is a progressive Christian and somebody who is a conservative Mennonite are, like, probably agreeing on a lot of the same, like, political issues. They have more in common politically than you would imagine. It's, you know, this weird continuum of, like— you know, it's this idea of the political spectrum, like as a circle, mm-hmm. rather than like we've got like a line going like right and left. Exactly. Um, but so anyway, all that to say, um, 
where was I going with that? Oh, but anyway, like, um, you know, hanging out with like these Quakers and at the time, you know, Shane Claiborne is really big. Um, that was another book that Jonathan and I were like passing back and forth. And this idea, um, you know, of community, uh, community living, um, and especially, like, I got really interested in, you know, Dorothy Day, the Catholic worker model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of friends um, who were working in a variety, you know, of Catholic worker houses, you know, in different places. And, um, and at that time, just really, like, that was sort of like the theological, like, orientation, yeah. like, that I was having. Um, and so then in, um, January of 2010, Jonathan and I got married and, um, he moved to El Paso and, um, like I started graduate school, like he started going, um, to EPCC and UTEP and, you know, still volunteering with the nonprofit organization and stuff and really, kind of going through that time of like deconstruction, I think was like in those years. And. And were you, would you say you guys were uh, on a certain level deconstructing together? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it, it, it's kind of interesting because like you hear about like, these couple where it's like one is deconstructing and one isn't, or like the pace is different. And I really feel like, we were kind of approaching this together. I mean, we, you know, went, you know, to Albuquerque to see Richard Rohr and like, nice. you know, these different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, like those were the kinds of things that we were um, just engaged in sort of spiritually. And through it, through that process, is that how you became connected with Desert Rain? So that is a funny story. So um, we had gotten on the Unitarian email list because, so at that time, like I was saying, like um, we were connected, like down with the Columban Mission House, um, a lot of uh, like nuns and priests who were very much, um, practicing, you know, kind of, um, preferential option for the poor type of Catholicism. Um, and we had heard that, um, Father Peter was going to be speaking at the universe, uh, the Unitarian church. And so like Father Peter, um, who, um, just passed away, um, He's I think, a, last year. He or... was a father that lived in Juarez for years. Exactly, years, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, got uh, to meet, I got to meet him one time. Yeah, no, yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah, him and um, Sister Betty. Yeah, like, yeah. I heard them, like, speaking a lot and just really inspirational. They've got all sorts of wonderful stories. I still have um, one of Sister, uh, a book that Sister Betty let me borrow. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah but... no, and Sister Betty is still um, a friend of mine that works at the same nonprofit that I do. <laughs> she like hangs out with like sister Betty sometimes. Um, and that's really, I'm like, Oh yeah, man. Like she still gets around and that's she's still, amazing. you know? Um, but so, um, father Peter was going to be speaking about his, um, experiences in Latin America and just like his 
journey and just really, it was really great, really like inspirational. Um, and so we got on the mailing list for yeah, the Unitarians. Yeah. We're like, right, okay, right. cool. Um, so a few months pass and, you know, they, they send us little things about, oh, who's coming, who's speaking. And then um, it's when David and Jacob um, were speaking. I, I don't remember the title of it exactly, but it was like something like Desert Monks or some something where it was basically yeah, yeah. like, we were like, felt like, you know, oh, this is like really like made for us, you know, sort of like these like ex-like evangelicals, yeah. like monastics like coming to speak and so we're like oh cool like let's go like let's hear them speak so we did and then we connected with them afterwards um and just had a really great connection like really i feel among a lot of people um who are coming from an evangelical background and especially i mean obviously like jonathan like will be able to tell like his own story and stuff um but his background I would say was like even more like fundamentalist than mine okay, like it's okay. very um like very strict like very very serious um and so but like that bond that you have with people no matter where they end up like on the theological spectrum like you always I always say like once a fundy always a fundy <laughs> because like you you this set of shared experiences of where um you know, just that that connection. And so that's when we, this was probably about 2014. Right. Um, this was right before we left El Paso. Um, so we were hanging out here a little bit. Um, yeah, just had a, had a really good connection, like with folks. Um, and then we were living on the road for um, like almost six years. Oh, wow. Um, we were working in rural Virginia on a, a regenerative farm. Um, and that was really great. We did that for four different seasons that were non-consecutive. Okay. Um, but essentially what we would do is we would go there, we would earn money, and then we would go um, other places and do other things kind of in the off-season. Um, and all, so... All within the context of the United States? Or would you go No, like a large too? part of that was in Latin America. And okay. so, like, what we did is... Um, so, the first time that we worked on the farm, our plan was like, okay, afterwards, we're going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Okay. Um, so, Jonathan had done that in 2007. We're like, oh, we want to do this together. So, in 2015, um, we hiked the Appalachian nice. Trail. That was amazing. I feel like I could just, like, spend, like, a whole, like, time talking about... Because I was, like, super, like, burnt out. And, like, super... I have a whole, like, thing that I could go into about, you know social justice work and like burnout right, and right, like right. whatever. Uh, yeah. Cause that's for sure real. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. And so at that time, just feeling like super burned out and um, like feeling like the Appalachian trail just really like rewired, like the synapses, like in a new way. And like, really, I, I think of it as like long distance hiking as, you know, sort of like a long distance, like labyrinth where like it is that contemplative practice and really like a reordering of time. Like I feel like. Well, especially in those. So I, I did the Camino de Santiago, which is obviously different than the Appalachian Trail, but it's, it's a long walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I was walking for a month straight, but waking up, and just knowing you're going to spend all day walking, mm -hmm. the brain just, 
it totally changes. Yeah. It's to, it's incredible. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. What you're what you're describing of that your experience with the, I, I I guess I'd never heard it as a, a what'd you say a long a long distance labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And like and and that idea of like like that reorienting of of time, like moving sort of like into this cosmic space. And the only other time, like, I've experienced that. So we did one other long hike. Um, this was in August of 2019. We did the Colorado Trail, which is amazing. Kind of. So it is from, basically from Denver to Durango, kind of like okay. 500 miles, kind of like diagonally across the state. Very cool. Um, but uh, the only other time, like, I feel like I've experienced something like that was like, um, during childbirth and then like after like the birth of my daughter, like you're just in this like different time, sort of like this, this, this sort of like cosmic like dream space. You're experiencing like time differently. Um, but so 2015, we did the Appalachian Trail. Then we came back to the farm. Um, but then Kind of in between also, like, we went back to our hometown and were working there. Like, essentially, like, what we were doing was, like, a series of, like, temp jobs to, like, save money to, like, go do, like, stuff. Um, We went on a 10-month trip to Latin America. This would have been July of 2016 to... March or April of 2017. Right. Um, that was a really amazing experience. Um, we started in Guatemala, kind of moved our way through Central America. Um, in Honduras, we taught um, English at a, a bilingual school for four months. Um, went down to Colombia and then like came back up. Um, and then, uh, one of the last stops along the way was working at a shelter for Central American migrants in, um, in Oaxaca. And that was a wild and crazy experience. A whole bunch of things that I could say about that. Um, but all that to say was that, um, it was really transformative experience, but also like very intense, like experience, um, and so coming off of those experiences, um, understanding more of like, I think when you get into social justice work, especially like as a young person, like looking at the trajectory of like, this is how trauma is going to impact you sort of like long-term and like having, having to deal with that, having to like come face to face with that. And I think that that is when I realized, um, and it's funny because like we've got all these like young people that like come in to like work at the nonprofit and like, I always, I feel like I'm always like trying to tell them like, um, like trauma cannot be like your fuel like for doing like social justice work. And it can't be ignored either. Yeah, exactly. Because I think a lot of people, at least, you know, people that I've encountered, it's like this disassociation where they're like, well, I can't, I can't worry about that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if you don't deal with that, it's coming for you. Yeah, exactly. It's well, going to come find you. And I, I have this like theory that like now I'm like telling all the helping professionals, which they might be like, oh, okay. But um <laughs> 
I feel like people are drawn a lot of times to helping professions, like in response, like to their own trauma. And I feel like I couldn't have articulated that like five, 10 years ago, but essentially like you are coming to find the language like for your trauma. Um, And then also to be like transforming like that personal trauma in that work to transform like the societal, um, you know, injustice and sort of like all of that trauma. So all that to say is like, um, I kind of like had uh, reckoning sounds like kind of a weird word, but I really had to like, I came face to face with like, having to deal like with that trauma and like that it can't be your fuel. Mm -hmm. And then all this different like family stuff was coming up. There's a long complicated um, series of events um, that sort of like when we came back from Latin America, there was like all this family stuff that was Mm -hmm. happening um, that like I had to like come like face to face with this stuff and like really like do that work And I think it was at that time, like, I realized, like, um, the need for that, like, mysticism anchor, (laughs) like, in, like, the, um, in the activist life, in the activist work. Because I feel like, I mean, people are sort of, like, more oriented maybe for one or the other. And, like, there's, like, where you're, like, needing both. Yeah, for sure. But I think that um, for me, just like realizing the necessity, like for like that practice and for that grounding, um, yeah, it was it was it was really um, transformational, and I'm still like trying to figure out like what that kind of looks like because sort of in this process of years, you know, we were really like not connected with any church. And I feel like even more so than we were deconstructing, like this was when I was feeling more and more, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like there was, more of a, I don't know why I can't think of the word, but like, like where animosity is the Mm. word that I'm trying to like, because of like specific things that are like going on, like within the church, like right now. Um, and I mean like historically and all of this stuff, but like I think having been so removed and then like coming to like a specific understanding and then like kind of coming face to face with it again and then just being like, wow, like I feel like I'm just like on a different planet. Like none of a lot of these like arguments that like people are having, I'm like, that is just not even like relevant like to anything like it's not helpful yeah, to anybody like, or anything yeah or like not <laughs> to the space where I am now like it just like that's not even a, a question like yeah. what 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 is even this like conversation that you're having yeah. um I mean a good a, a good example for me with that is like this argument around heaven and hell mm-hmm. it's like okay 
So what? Yeah. <laughs> what is, how does no, that transform sure. someone, you know, someone that can't eat? Yeah. You know, exactly. that's someone that's going to bed exactly. hungry. Uh, someone that's locked up. They came to the United States searching for safety and that, you know, they're incarcerated now because they came to look for help. And it's like, so who gives a crap about having yeah. hell? That's not going to change exactly. their life. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, it's kind of this idea of the idea like, well, hell is real, but hell is here. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, meeting, especially like a lot of the migrants and asylum seekers and like their stories, <laughs> like what they're going through and like what their life is like, like that is, you know, talking about this idea of like, oh, after death, like this and this. And I was like, right. Yeah. yeah like I, yeah, if there is a hell, like it is here and like that is or, like the work know, of, yeah. It's people are experiencing it. Yeah. Whatever absolutely. happens after death, we don't know. Yeah. There's no way to prove it, but we do know, you know, that people are living, living in their own hell. Yeah. You know, here on earth. And I think this kind of goes back to that idea of like fundamentalism and sort of like for people who are on the extreme edge and like extreme like because I, I feel like I always feel like in like social justice work like you end up with like this motley crew of like super liberal people and like very conservative Christian people and it's just like this like crew of folks that is like for some reason has been compelled to you know be working yeah. in this space um and I don't know, like the, the, the beauty that is in that, but then also the, like how complicated that is. Yeah. Um, when I think too, it goes back to that mysticism of each one of those individuals was drawn to whatever the work is, right. Mm -hmm. Whatever you, we, we can give several examples. Yeah. Um, and it makes it challenging because you know, that's just life with different individuals. Um, but there's that that beauty in it too of like people that you would never imagine crossing paths are now working together for a similar a similar outcome or mm -hmm. you know a certain goal or whatever it might be to to be helpful to be yeah. of service to others. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and that's that was sort of like the space that like I'm finding myself in now. I guess trying to like so we came back to El Paso. Um, winter of 2019 already to like get plugged back <laughs> yep, into community yep. and like oh we're excited <laughs> like um I at that time was working a few different like um part-time like non-profit jobs um just trying to like hey like I'm back in town like what yeah. can you know where can I plug in what can I do um and then of course you know COVID happened yep. um and that just made everything super complicated trying to you know, move back to the border, trying to reconnect in some cases with community, in some cases, like trying to build like new community and stuff. And so, um, I mean, that's kind of where we're finding ourselves now is like in a space where like, we're trying to not even like reconcile because like, like a lot of times, like there are no answers, like yeah. there is no reconciliation, like there is no, like, Just, it doesn't get like tied up. Yeah. Um, but like the, the realities like of the past 
And like, because for like a long time, I'd be like, oh, why am I coming back to Christianity? Like, that seems like ridiculous. Like, that didn't seem like within like the trajectory. But what I was finding is that a lot of... Um, in terms of like culture and like identity, like all of these things like are still there. And it's sort of like, oh, like the language like that I speak and the practices, you know, that I have. Um, now I'm just like applying them, you know, in a, in a different way. Right. Um, but like, there's never sort of, and that's why, like I always say, like once a fundy, always a fundy. Like not, not in the way that like, like, oh, I still consider myself a fundamentalist, but like those practices and communities and cultures impacted my life and the way that I'm seeing things. And so like taking all of those experiences and like transforming them in the new context mm. and like then it's like oh you you can't ever like run away from that like you have to like be active like in the work of like you know transforming those experiences and so i think you know that's just kind of like where we are like present day yeah. and just moving forward well, i think that's a beautiful place to to land this plane because um, I think too, like what you're talking about is that's what, at least for me, helps me untangle some of those things from the past that brought me confusion or um, whatever, you know, uh, whatever it might be, right? Trauma or um, integrating the parts that are good or the parts that are helpful into my life today and being able to discard those things that were not helpful and, and I don't have to carry those things today, but it's definitely easier said than done. Mm -hmm. So, um, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I know, I know from my, my perspective, we kind of missed each other cause I left desert rain around 14 timeframe. So it, it's, it's been cool to, to get to know you and Jonathan and, and now baby yeah. Luna. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, that's all, that's a whole new thing. Like that's a whole I feel mostly unable at this point to kind of unpack that, like, yeah. because it's like such this like new thing of like being a parent and like also trying to figure out, well, like what kind of like spirituality, like in practices, you know, do you mm. want to be approaching with your child, you know, coming yeah, from yeah, this yeah. past of like fundamentalism, but we'll see. We'll see. Time we'll see will what tell. happens. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Abby. Um, and we're actually going to end. We won't do it right this second. We're going to edit it in, but we're going to end with one of your poems. Um, that's that's one of the things that blessed me during the quarantine is I ordered your, uh, what's the name of the book? Um, so it's called Ain't Country Like You. It really touches on a lot of these questions of, um, you know, being a rural person but especially looking at communities that are typically either erased from rural communities or, you know, that they aren't um, belonging. Um, and so, um, yeah, Ain't Country Like You is a poetry chapbook. They're actually going to run a second edition this summer, fingers oh, nice. crossed. 
because um, they um, it sold out the first time around. But yeah. um, so anyway, that's that's exciting. But uh, yeah, that yeah. book um, when I got it, it the, I can't remember how many days, but several mornings in a row, I would I would eat breakfast with my tea and and dr- read through a couple of the poems to sort of start my day, and, and that uh, was definitely very cool and and. Uh, got to have a different insight of of uh of your perspective of the world and it's it's a beautiful book so um yeah when they when they re-release it we'll we'll put it in the uh the show notes as they say (laughs) yeah thanks so much yeah i really appreciate it um i mean that's the whole motivation like for writing is like somebody else can you know pick up something that a lot of time you know was you know forged from struggle and pain and be like yeah like I like like I've had like those experiences too or even like if not specific experiences but like a lot of those things you know that can be like universal um so yeah no that's really awesome to hear thanks beautiful well thank you again uh thank you for everyone for listening uh once again this is uh Desert Rain Community Radio, Road to Desert Rain, with uh, Abby Carl Clausen. Mm. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.